Perfect. So welcome, uh, Dr. Vivian Chen. Um, I'm really excited to do this talk today. We share so many philosophies and principles that I think are just so in common. And I've always learned so much from Dr. Chen throughout the years as well, following her page, getting to know her as well. Um, a couple of years ago, I actually got to go to a dinner with her and a few other people that I'm sure many of you follow, like Dr. Tyler Jean, Dr. Uh, G, and uh, Dr. Jess. And it was so fun just kind of sitting down for a night with all of us together. I mean, talking about exactly our same type of missions, I mean, what we're working on, and even some of the hurdles that all of us are kind of coming across by pushing the messages that we are. And it was just so nice to have that type of dinner to really discuss this and just different ideas that are resonating with all of us. So um, yeah, I just want to welcome Dr. Chen to this show um, and really just kind of starting off by introducing yourself and kind of your story, which I know, but it's so powerful how you got into this kind of functional medicine space. Thank you so much, Devin. It's such an honor to be on your podcast. Um, and yeah, likewise, I, I learned so much from you too. And that dinner was super special because just meeting like-minded people in person and connecting, um, it, it really kind of fueled my, my um, ambition and my drive um, to serve better. So thank you for that. Um, so hi, everyone. A little bit of introduction about me. Um, so my name's Dr. Vivian Chen. Uh, a lot of people call me Dr. Viv, so you can call me Dr. Viv too. I'm a UK trained physician. So I went to medical school in London. And after medical school, I actually took residency training in internal medicine, got board certified in the UK in that. Um, and then I switched to family practice. So I also got board certified in family practice in the UK. Um, so I, I, I was very uh, kind of into conventional medicine, the pill for every ill type of practice, um, until my world completely turned upside down when I had my daughter. Um, so she, when she was eight weeks old, she had to be hospitalized because she stopped feeding completely and nobody could work out why. So um, her family physician, her pediatrician thought she had reflux. They put her on reflux medications. It didn't work. Um, eventually, she got so dehydrated that she had to be tube fed to be kept alive. So that's, uh, they passed the tube through her nose into her stomach um, to feed her that way. And I can still really vividly remember the moment they passed that tube in the hospital. Yes. Um, it literally broke me. Uh, it broke me because there I was, I had gone to medical school and spent, you know, eight years in postgraduate training, thinking that I was becoming like the best doctor I could be. And the one person I wanted to help the most, I couldn't help. So that was a moment that kind of, it was, it was such a jolt to my system um, through all the heartbreak and pain, I realized that I didn't have all the tools that I needed to truly help my patients. Um, and, you know, there was also that question of what else did I miss at medical school? Because eventually I did find out what was wrong with her through my own research. Um, what medical school did give me was a very rigorous background in science how to read research papers. And it, it gave me the tools to go back into research and, you know, look, look at what was going on with her and to try and help her. And what I found was a paper dating back to in 1983, I think, um, which listed all the symptoms she had. And it was cow's milk protein allergy. Very rare at the time. Um, so she's 13 now. So this it was 13 years ago. Um, almost, almost nobody was talking about the kind of delayed type uh, cow's milk protein allergy. Everyone knew about the acute anaphylactic type of allergy, but not the delayed type where basically um, she was getting exposed to cow's milk protein through my breast milk because I was eating dairy at the time. And the dairy, the proteins were uh, causing inflammation in her gullet. And so every time she fed, it caused her intense pain and she pulled away and stopped feeding. 
but nobody, like none of her doctors were able to come to that diagnosis. And it wasn't until I saw that paper and said, hey, this could be the reason why she's not feeding. Can we try switching her milk to a hypoallergenic formula and see what happens? Um, and when, when we did that, she, she, like, she started feeding normally after a week. And after two weeks, she was completely back to normal. Um, so, yeah, so from that point, you know, that I was kind of in that mindset of, okay, well, I know I have really good training in conventional medicine, but what else is missing uh, from my toolbox? Um, we definitely didn't learn anything about nutrition. We didn't learn anything about environmental toxins, lifestyle. Like we just learned, here's what happens when something goes wrong in your body. And here's the drug that you can use to treat that condition. Yeah. Um, and there's actually no, you know, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that because we do need it, right? Oh, we definitely need, so. These treatments are often life-saving. Um, but I, you know, now in knowing what I know in this new paradigm that I um, practice, I prefer to actually also look at the root cause. Like, why did you even develop that condition in the first place? Let's address some of those causes um, as well as, you know, keeping you safe with symptom control as well. Of course. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I mean, story just completely. I know that was such a long journey for you and your family, I'm sure to find this route, but so amazing that you dove into it. And I know now so much of your practices, I mean, around these ideologies today. So, um, but I definitely just want to kind of highlight a couple of things that you just talked about, because I think it is so powerful is the fact, and really what I'm trying to show throughout all of these podcasts is the fact that I'm not, and no one should be against the conventional medical system. Just like you said, it saves lives. I mean, there are so many times, and especially in emergent medicine, um, these medications, I mean, there is a time and place for all of them. But in reality, just like you're saying, we need to widen the toolbox of medicine. I mean, there are just so many different ways to help heal people as well. And it's really taking that time to find an individualized treatment plan for every single person and restoring them back to health with wherever they're at at that given time. So um, right. just always want to touch on that. And that's why I'm going to be doing so many talks with, I mean, yes, naturopaths, but also medical doctors like yourself with pharmacists coming up because um, it really takes understanding how all these worlds could be integrated together to provide, I mean, really the best medicine, which is kind of lost today, but people are looking for it. So totally. Um, and I love that you're doing this in a collaborative way because, you know, there's there's so much division. Like, you know, it's it's not me against you. Like we oh, can for work sure. together. You have your strengths, I have my strengths. Um, you know, I oftentimes will come to, you know. We'll come to you and Dr. Tyler and I'll say, hey, I don't understand homeopathy. Tell me more about it, right? Um, so like we can learn from each other. And it's only when it's when we come together that we can really help our patients the best. Oh, I completely agree. And I think that's something I see all the time too. There are, I mean, people in my field, they're like, oh, we can't work with the, the conventional field. Um, they're not doing anything right and vice versa. Um, our field gets attacked a lot by the conventional system saying, I mean, it's not science-based, which is bizarre to me because our whole curriculum is based on scientific model, but um, it's really, like you said, bringing these worlds together and we're never going to compete against each other because I, it's sad to say, but I mean, there are just so many people sick today that it needs this. I mean, we're, there's unfortunately such a large like market or people out there that really, um, need everything we're both yeah. doing and working and together add, gives it to them. I just want to mm -hmm. add to that is that I was one of those people who was sick. I just didn't know, like I, it didn't come to my attention until I had that traumatic experience with my daughter that I started working on myself because, you know, for years before I had her, I was living with chronic fatigue. I was so tired all the time. I drank like four or five cups of coffee per day. Um, just to keep going. Um, I couldn't sleep. I had anxiety, had cystic acne, had gut issues. Mm -hmm. um, and when I went to my doctors and the labs were run, everything came back normal. Um, and so I was told I was normal and I thought I was normal. And I thought it's just normal to live like that until I made all the changes that came after I had her. And then now 
you know, after you fix yourself and you 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 live this life of energy and you're thriving, you just you just want to help other people do the same, right? You, you think it's just not it's not normal to to be tired all the time. It's not normal to, you know, always have acne and 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 eczema. Um, and yeah, so I'm so so glad that you're you're doing this podcast to educate. Definitely so, and I I, I mean agree with you so much with what you just said because I think really changing that paradigm today of what health really is. And I know that's like why I put it in my bio, promoting healthcare, not sick care, because I think people are just so used to being sick in some manner, like eating the standard American diet, having, being overweight, being inflamed, being on a medication is almost normal for people. Um, even though a lot of people could potentially change diet, lifestyle, all these factors we're going to be kind of talking about and live a healthier, better life, but yeah, good energy, not really having inflammation, different joint disease, everything that kind of comes along with that cascade. So, um, it really is kind of changing the whole way we think about health and knowing that, I mean, we could really live naturally how we're built to be. So I love that. So yeah, definitely want to just transition into the next uh, piece, which is something I'm so passionate about is food. And I know yourself as well, um, yeah. looking at food, I mean, as more than just something we consume for um, feeling good and just basic calories, but um, really what brought you into kind of using food as medicine? Why is this so important to you? Yeah, it's so important because it started with me feeling better and my husband feeling better. So um he was diagnosed with hypertension at a very early age. He was, uh, I think, 36 when he was put on medication for high blood pressure. At the time, I was um, practicing as a family physician. I thought, oh, yeah, okay, well, it was just one of those things. You have high blood pressure, you take a medication. Um, but it wasn't like until, you know, what happened with my daughter and then us changing our lifestyle and then me starting to feel better that I thought, you know, why don't I try changing our diet? Right. Mm -hmm. So I, uh, we went plant-based and after a week I found him lying on the couch. Uh, he was dizzy and he said, oh, I have a bug. Like I'm feeling dizzy. I think I'm coming down with a cold. And I thought, Hmm, I wonder what's going on. So I grabbed like my intuition is telling me that his blood pressure had dropped, um, on a diet. Uh, so I grabbed my sphic and measured his um, blood pressure and it was 97 over 60. So his, his innate blood pressure had normalized on by changing his diet, but he was still taking his usual medication, which means that it dropped to a below normal range and it was making him dizzy. Um, so, you know, from that moment on, it was kind of like, wow that is how powerful diet can be, right? Like it's just incredible. Like each bite of food that we eat can either be building health or destroying health. And it's, you know, it's that decision that we make on a meal basis. And I'm not saying we have to be perfect, okay. but, you know, it's the majority of the food that we eat that can determine our physiology, how we feel, our energy levels, you know, our mood. So, yeah, so that's how I got into it. I mean, my daughter had that, the food allergy, right? So it was kind of like a food-based approach at first. And then, you know, the lens got wider and wider and I started to realize this, you know, environmental factors like environmental toxins as well. And, you know, our lifestyle and all of that plays into health. And that's why I like naturopathic medicine so much because you actually consider all of that, Um that come together as a puzzle rather than just like, oh, it's just nutrition or, oh, it's just, you know, lifestyle. It's not, it's just, it's everything together. Oh, exactly. Yeah. I, throughout the education so far, that's something that's resonated with me so much. I mean, our therapeutic order, as we call it, how we're kind of trained to approach a patient's care. I mean, the very basis of that is working on all these determinants of health, their food, their water, their relationships, uh, their diet. And um, it's so amazing how much you could do and how much you could reverse disease and potentially never even go to a th true therapeutic, even if it is a botanical or supplement um, by just restoring these basic functions. Um, it's so amazing to have done. Um, I think so that what's important to remember is that your body actually has the blueprint to heal and be healthy, right? And so we just need to provide the fuel and remove that obstacles. 
Um, it's not like something you have to do <laughs> because your body already knows how to do. Um, just provide the nutrients and you know the nourishment the body needs. Definitely. I mean, yeah, that innate intelligence we have, I think it's, I mean, twofold, just like both things that you said. One, I mean, it could actually help restore back to who we should be, but also, I mean, you don't have to be completely perfect in what we're, what we're doing and talking about. I mean, I know myself, I definitely don't eat perfectly every single day. I try to live my lifestyle as much as I can with that. But I mean, like yesterday I worked a 13 hour shift and I couldn't get good food. So I'm buying like these kind of processed protein bars out of the vending machine at at work. Um, But I mean, that's life, but yes, our bodies have the ability to restore function, which is, I mean, just so amazing. And I think it is important too, when you're in that situation is that you tell yourself you give yourself the grace that you're doing the best that you can rather than stressing out about, oh no, now I'm eating processed food. I'm ruining my health, right? Because yes. that actually mind that mindset, um, I think can trigger physiological responses in your body to then de- enhance the inflammatory nature of that food you're consuming. So I, I you know, I like to just let go, like when I go out. Um, with family and friends, I don't eat organic. I eat like, you know, I eat things that are available, but I don't want to stress out about, you know, little exposures here and there, because if you're 80, 90% doing well, then I think that's what's important. Oh, definitely. I love that. Yeah. Definitely give yourself permission to, I mean, be who you are as well. It's so true. I mean, you got to live life end of the day. And also, I mean, just like you said, going out with friends and community. I mean, that alone is probably, I mean, I was looking at a study recently um, by Brigham Young University that actually shows, I mean, just your community alone decreases mortality equivalent to smoking cigarettes and also um, alcohol intakes. I mean, it is just so powerful having that, but you got to go there and show up and just say, Hey, this is a night for me. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I completely agree with you. So I think we could kind of transcend also into, I mean, just what is going on with our kind of current food system? Um, How is it affecting our health? Like, why are we seeing so many people sick from the way food conventionally is being consumed on a daily basis? Yeah. Um, I think ultimately we have deviated too much from nature. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's, that's the, that's the big picture kind of approach. Um, You know, if you think about the food that we're growing, firstly, most of it's mono mono crops. So one type of crop in a field, there's no biodiversity there. Um, And, you know, nature thrives on diversity, right? Like we don't see just one type of tree when we go out into the woods. There's like, there's a bit of everything in there. And that's what makes, you know, actually makes it beautiful, but also functionally, you know, each type of plant helps each other out. When, when you do monogrow cropping, you're depleting the soil of vital nutrients. And then what happens is that we have to add fertilizers now to it, like these chemical manufactured compounds. When, when you have biodiversity and, you know, the natural processes, you don't necessarily need to do that. And then we move on to like, okay, so then how are we controlling and increasing yield? We're using chemicals like pesticides to reduce pests and herbicides. Um, those things get into our food and then moving on to the next, like how we're processing that food. Like we're not eating food in a form it's grown, like coming out of the ground anymore. We're eating them in the shapes of, you know, I don't know, stars, like your lucky charms or whatever it is. Like it's, it's not, it's like, it's food like substances. We've taken food and processed and made them into substances that, are ultra processed. Why? For profit, because these foods stimulate our taste bud, our reward systems, make us want more, make us buy more, eat more. And that's good for the food industries. Um, So it's, yeah. And, and, you know, when we go back to agriculture as well, like a lot of the the crops are subsidized um, by the government for processed food. Um, so, you know, if we get into this situation where processed food or like a burger uh, is cheaper than um, buying a salad, 
right? So like, I can get a Big Mac. I haven't gone into McDonald's for a long time. But <laughs> I don't know how much it is now. Let's say like $2, right? But a salad can set you back like $7. When you, when you think about that, that doesn't work for most people. Like, what am I going to buy if I have limited budget? I'm going to buy the burger. I'm not going to buy a salad. Um, so fundamentally, we're encouraging people to eat more processed food on an economical level. And then we also have, you know, these foods that just basically hijacking our senses and making us eat more and more. And they're processed, they're devoid of nutrients. So when you add all of that together, we have a system where, you know, the food can now trigger inflammation in our bodies um, through things like refined sugar, you know, too much refined sugar, um, that chemicals, the additives, the preservatives, and the, and then we don't have the nutrients to support our body's own physiological processes. Definitely. So I, I love how you tied into all of that. I mean, just um, recorded a podcast earlier this week with a, a lady that owns a um, health food company and everything that they sell actually donates back to regenerative agriculture. And we went really deep into that, just yeah. um, what we were talking about with, with the monocrops and just how that's taking away from just our food health um, additives that we're getting in there. Like you said, like the pesticides, which also wreak havoc on our body. Um, but it's just so kind of, we're just so far away from like what you said, how we traditionally should be eating and what our bodies are used to. Um, and it's really amazing. I mean, some people recognize these processed foods more than they could even recognize some of the plants out there that we should be eating. Um, right. It's, I mean, once again, it's, we just need to go back to this paradigm shift of what health really is and teaching people how to get back to the basics. Um, right. And, you know, these food companies, they actually have labs where they test the craveability of the processed food, right? And they pick out the winning formula that hits you on the most on your reward center. So if you enjoy processed food, it's not, that's, that's normal. You've been oh, yeah. designed to make you crave them. Um, but so now, you know, we, we have to try and coax our taste buds back to like what food should taste like and not hyper palatable. Version. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, it is, I mean, stimulation of certain centers in your brain that makes you want to have them. Like you said, it's also just a huge marketing campaign more than a health campaign and right. for profit. Um, I know like there's a very kind of profound study that even just shows like cereal boxes for kids, how they're put at the eye level of when they're sitting in the basket while their parents are pushing them around the market, they see it. And it's all of these um, images on it that a child will resonate with. I mean, and they definitely do not understand what's in it. I mean, they're, really? they're children, they, but they fall in love with kind of the characters that are on there. They see it on TV again, that's emphasized in the networks they're watching. And it's just, yeah. I mean, setting them up ultimately for living this lifestyle in the future as well. Yeah. So advertising um, junk food to kids, I think has been banned in, in the UK. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, let's see what happens here. <laughs> yeah. It's sadly, we're always very behind with some of that stuff here in the United States. Um, but yeah, I guess, I mean, just if we could talk about, I mean, obviously we went over that the way food is being created today, the way we're consuming, we call it the standard American diet, which is, I mean, a lot of health is due or health issues is due to this, but what are some, I guess, just your most basic tips you could give? Obviously diet is so personalized to every single person, but if you do have any, what are some basic tips you could give to everyone for a better nutrition so the first thing would be to eat food um, that resembles how it came out of the ground um, more so mm -hmm. when you're eating the food or holding the food in your hand does it look like how it was grown um, and how it came out when it was harvested right because um, the less it looks like that the the, the worse it is for your health um, and eating more plants um, it's, you know, plants are full of antioxidants, polyphenols, which keep us healthy. Like they fight the oxidative stress, they fight inflammation, they help us um, build better gut, like gut health is so central to health now. So eating more plants, less processed, reduce um, refined sugars, refined oils, um, just, yeah, cutting, 
not cutting out completely, but reducing your consumption of processed food, I always say is the first step. Um, and then, yeah, trying to build up more plants, um, you know, start where you are because, you know, we're all different. Like if you're eating, let's say, an average of 10 plants per week, you might want to increase by two or three a week, you know, and just build up and aim for ultimately, I know it's going to sound overwhelming, but ultimately aim for something like 30 to 40 different plants mm -hmm. a week. And that could include things like tea, you know, different types of tea, herbs and spices count as well. So it's not as overwhelming as like, oh my God, I need to eat so much different vegetables yes. and fruits. Um, herbs and spices count and they're full of antioxidants. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's um, something that I was thinking about over like the last year that I think is just so profound. I mean, how many different biological compounds are within food? I mean, every time we eat all of this variety of plants, we're getting thousands of different right. compounds. And right. when you kind of compare that, I think as telling a patient this, compare that to a medication, which is one single compound that you're putting in your body, how powerful that is. But when we eat foods, yeah. we're breaking down to thousands of different compounds that could, yes, be very healthy for us, but also could be detrimental to our health. It's all signals and um, biochemical pathways, ultimately, that we're okay. giving ourselves. Yeah. And the package that it came, it comes in, it's perfectly synergistic for us and, you know, for the interaction between the different compounds, right? Because because the, the compound, it doesn't act by itself. It's, you know, it's working in this environment, in this milieu. So, um, yeah, like food comes with that whole package rather than, for example, a lot of people take curcumin uh, supplements. Well, turmeric has so many other beneficial compounds beyond curcumin, right? Uh, I'm not denying that sometimes, you know, you do need high dose curcumin, but turmeric, the food has so much more than just one compound. Mm -hmm. I completely agree. And it's amazing how nature puts oftentimes the right compounds together for it to work its best in our bodies synergistically. Okay. So um, yeah. I think kind of transitioning, because I know um, we both try to eat an organic diet as much as possible. And I know many people out there like, why should I even eat organic? What does that mean? Could you maybe explain that on a basic level for people just to understand why there are some differences between conventionally grown crops and even organic crops? Yeah, definitely. And there's a lot of um, pushback against organic right now. Um, I, I don't know why, and I don't know whether it's coming from the industries, the lobbyists, but the data is out there on how pesticides can affect our health, right? UCSF, just down the road from me, has a white paper, like it's just like lists and lists of studies showing how um, pesticides can affect the development of children, fertility. So that's just one area of health. We also have studies showing how pesticides can affect our nervous system. So it's been linked to things like Parkinson's, for example, um, how it can damage our gut health, right? Because a glyphosate, one of the most commonly round, uh, used uh, pesticide, also known as Roundup, um, was first produced as an antibiotic. Uh, it's patented, uh, it was patented as a, an antibiotic. So what's an antibiotic going to do in your gut with the trillions of bacteria It's going to impact our gut microbiome. That's just the one thing it can do. It can also impact our liver detoxification enzymes. It can um, bind to um, minerals in our body and we need minerals for these enzymes in our bodies to work and function. So pesticides can hit us on so many different levels. And there is plenty of research out there, if you're willing to look, um, that shows the link. Now, nobody's ever done a study, randomized control study, because it wouldn't be ethical to like deliberately yeah. expose somebody. But, you know, when there's one epidemiological study that shows an association, we can say, okay, well, it's just an association, doesn't prove causation, more research is needed. But when you've got a body of research now built up around it, you know, it is kind to start to suggest that we probably should protect ourselves by reducing our exposure. Mm -hmm. um, so that's where I'm, I'm at with pesticides. Um, now, organic means that the, the produce, the product is uh, 
um, farmed or grown without the use of banned pesticides. So most of these are going to be your conventionally produced, uh, commercially produced pesticides that are um, artificial. Um, whereas there are still pesticides allowed in organic farming, but most of them are kind of like natural substances like neem oil, for example. Um, so those things are a list of around 20 or 30 different compounds that are still allowed to be used in organic farming. And you can consider them as pesticides. So a lot of people say, oh, organic is no better because you still allow pesticides. Well, these are not pesticides that have been shown to be harmful in studies. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing is the impact on our health. Um, and, you know, there was a large study done in Europe that showed that eating an organic diet reduced, uh, was associated with a lower risk of cancer. Um, so, you know, I think it was like a 20,000 people study. So a good study. Pretty significant, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so that's one thing. But then when you think about what pesticides are doing in our environment, yeah. that is another argument to support industries not using pesticides, right? So even if it's not harmful for our health, what do we want to do to our environment? Do we want to be pumping all these um, pesticides into our soil, which also is killing the bacteria in our soil, which then produces the nutrients for the crops that are growing, right? So we're depleting nutrient density in our soil by adding pesticides to them. We don't really want to be doing that. So um, if I can, I try to buy organic. Uh, I know it's not affordable to everyone. And, you know, if you can't afford it, you can look up the environmental working groups list of clean 15 and dirty dozen and just prioritize the 12, the dozen that have been shown to have the highest residue of pesticides on them. So, yeah, thank you for sharing all that. I mean, just as we're kind of going over, I mean, food is so important in understanding how to get good quality food, understanding food that really works with your biology and going back to nature. But um, just want to now and segue into, I mean, another aspect that I know you practice so much about and something I'm so adamant about, because I don't think enough people talk about it. And we do live in such a toxic world today from all the products we use on our bodies, what we use in our home, um, the places and we work in. Um, but let's talk a little bit about this environmental medicine, lifestyle medicine. What is this and how are you incorporating this into your practice of medicine? Yeah, I didn't realize, I, I mean, didn't learn this at school. Uh, I didn't learn it at medical school. I didn't really know about this. It wasn't on my radar as a practicing conventional MD until after, you know, what happened with my daughter. And then I came across um, these papers that were linking around toxins with a dysregulated immune system, which ultimately is what underlies allergies, right? Um, and, you know, first I came across mercury and I had lots of amalgams. Amalgams are 50% mercury. Um, and I thought, gosh, like I was always told that the mercury is inert in my fillings. Like, but could it be that it's being released into my body, like, could I have a high toxic load from that? Um, and that led me down into the rabbit hole of where I am today, um, where I, you know, I really read so much about environmental toxins, learned it, went to conferences, you know, read all these research papers, and realized that, you know, these chemicals I know everything's made up of chemicals, but these harmful toxicants, mm -hmm. man-made substances, they're not what our bodies recognize, right? And so when they come into our bodies, firstly, can trigger inflammation because the body's like, what is that? Like, I don't want this thing in my body. Let's mount an inflammatory response to get rid of it. Of you can also bind to our enzymes. Like enzymes are like kind of the workhorses in our body. They perform functions that allow us to breathe, allow us to digest our food and get energy out of our food. But when these chemicals bind to our enzymes, the enzymes can't work. And now, you know, we have symptoms like fatigue um brain fog um because the the enzymes are not 
working anymore. And, you know, a corollary to that would be the impact on our mitochondria, which is the battery, the powerhouse inside all of our cells, apart from red blood cells. Um, The mitochondria produces energy for that cell to perform its function in the organ. So, you know, in the liver, if the liver cell doesn't have energy in the form of ATP, you actually cannot detoxify properly, right? So um, that's another way environmental toxins can affect our health. And then the biggest, I think, is in the field in, in the field of endocrine disruptors. Mm-hmm. So that's where a lot of research has uh, now mounted to show that many of these environmental toxins can interfere with how our own hormones work. So our hormones are things like thyroid, our sex hormones, which is then in charge of fertility and your menstrual cycles. Um, Your adrenal gland produces cortisol, which wakes us up and gives us energy. So these are all hormones or an insulin, a big one, right? So lots of environmental toxins have been linked with um, pre-diabetes and type 2 diabetes as well. So, yeah, so <laughs> there's really, I don't think there's an organ system in a body where environmental toxins don't affect. And depending on where, what your genetics are, what your lifestyle is, you know, different symptoms can come out of toxicity depending on where your kind of um, genetic predisposition is. Definitely. And I um, love everything that you just talked about. And I want to link it back to the show that I just recorded with Dr. G as well. We talked about, I mean, toxic load and toxic burden um, in relation to oncology um, and cancer. But I think something that he touched on that also is so important is with these different toxins out there, so many of the studies are a single study done in lab with the toxin, how it affects a certain cell on our body. Um, it's a such a vacuumed climate that they're researching it on. But in reality, we have to understand how many toxins we're exposed to every single day. And it's this symphony of toxins that we really start to see, I mean, just so much more. And we can't research this. It's so much happening and you can't research every single chemical and every single permutation together to really understand how that affects our body. Not to mention in the human body, so many of these toxins are um, bioaccumulating over time. They're storing in our fat, they're storing in our bones. And yes, it might not just be that part per million or part per billion that was studied in lab, but over time, this toxic load increases. I mean, exponentially, the more we're being exposed to it on a daily basis. And then just like what you talked about, if it's affecting our liver, it's not functioning as well. I mean, now we're not even able to detox as well as we used to. So it gets even worse. So um, this is why it's, I mean, just so important to look at our environment. So yeah. And I truly believe that it's one reason why we see increasing chronic illnesses the older we get. Um, Yes, okay, there is a DNA degeneration part of it, but we also are accumulating more and more toxins over time. That's why we see a lot of lead toxicity in, you know, perimenopausal or postmenopausal women because that their body load has built up over time plus the bone where lead is actually stored is now breaking down, releasing more lead. And now, no, it's exceeded the body's detox capability and they start to show symptoms. Um, And yeah, the cruel fact is, is that these, the more toxic you are, the slower your detox pathways become. And it's like a double whammy in a way. Yeah, I just want to kind of mention something that I heard over the last uh, two years that was kind of an interesting theory that was presented by Dr. Joe Pizzorno. He was one of the mm-hmm. founders of my school. And, um, he a profound figure in this world of environmental medicine, lifestyle medicine. Uh, he taught our courses through school on this subject. And um, something that he was even mentioning is just also how throughout life, um, he's seeing obviously more and more people getting more obese through life. And he was actually correlating this to it might even be just a body's mechanism mechanism of trying to store and sequester how many toxins we're accumulating throughout life. Um, And unfortunately, that is mostly stored within our fat. So it almost what he was saying fat is, and this increase in obesity over time might even be a protective mechanism to our own bodies. um, That's kind of an interesting way of looking at that as well, I thought. For sure. And you know, there are studies that show that if you um, rapidly lose weight, your blood toxin 
uh, we should call it toxicants, which because toxicants are man-made mm. uh, chemicals that harm us. So the blood levels of these toxicants go up when you rapidly lose weight, which kind of indicates that, yeah, it's stored in fat. And when you lose fat rapidly, which then exceeds your detox capabilities, you're going to see that rapid rise in toxicants. Um, so the two studies that I looked at, one was actually both of them are pesticides. And one of them, actually, the pesticides were impairing thyroid function. And that then, because you're reducing your metabolism by inhibiting thyroid function, you now start to gain weight unless yep. your body was clearing these toxins. So when you are losing weight, it's really important to think about supporting your detox pathways, because when you're releasing these toxins from your storage and your detox pathways are not working efficiently, the toxins are just recirculating and actually may damage your essential organs. Definitely. And so, I mean, people, I think you're starting to hopefully understand that's also why I wanted to talk with Dr. Chen today about this, because it is, I mean, so profound. I mean, we see so much disease happening from, I mean, like we talked about food, now our toxic environment, and these are some foundational aspects to look at. But I mean, what are some of your basic recommendations, I guess, for people, how they could in their home or for themselves, um, decrease toxic load by making some just switches, I guess, and things they do every single day? Yeah, I love that question. Um, so the first thing which most people don't think about is air. So the air, the, the air that we breathe is really important. Um, and we breathe 11,000 liters of air per day. It's wow. a huge amount, right? That's going through, like we are literally like the filter system <laughs> of our, you know, if we're the house, we're the filter um, filtering out. The lungs are filtering out um, a lot of the toxins, but you know, some of these toxins like the PM 2.5, these are the super tiny particles in the air um, in the form of air pollution. They actually can get through into our bloodstream. And when they're in our bloodstream, they trigger inflammation. And it's been linked to things like cardiovascular disease. And more recently, and very sad and unfortunate, um, it's been linked to worse outcome of COVID-19. So studies um, out of I believe Harvard and Stanford in 2020 actually showed in areas with higher air pollution, you had worse outcomes of COVID-19. Oh, yeah. um, so this is like the invisible thing we're not thinking about, but is having profound impacts on our physiology and our body. And so the first place I start is actually try to reduce the number of fragranced products in your home. Um, by that, I mean, you know, your air fresheners, your plugins that, you know, make your home smells nice, um, candles, scented candles, um, your laundry detergent, your cleaning products, mm -hmm. um, personal care products that are fragrance, because the, the free term fragrance actually can encompass hundreds of different chemicals, um, things like phthalates, which are potent endocrine disruptors. So the phthalates can really affect our hormone system and disrupt our hormones. Um, it's been linked to things like eczema as well. Um, so, you know, really thinking about reducing that because like our home really doesn't need to smell like, you know, spring meadows or... <laughs> fake roses or fake apples. If you want your home to smell like apples, you know, put some apples and, and a cinnamon stick and some water in a saucepan on the burner and, you know, let it come to a boil and it will fragrance your home naturally. Um, because when you do it artificially, you need to add chemicals to fix the scent to the product. And that usually means phthalates. Um, so that's number one and opening your windows. Like if you open your windows, provided your outdoor air is clean, um, because indoor air is actually more polluted now than outdoor air because of the off gassing from our products. So opening your windows 10 minutes twice a day can actually really help to clean your air and remembering to change the filters in your HVAC systems. So, you know, like the, the, the filters that's like in the ceilings for in my home, People often forget to change those, and that can actually help to, you know, improve the quality of air in your home as well. 
Of course. Thank you for sharing all that. And I mean, definitely at the end here, we'll be linking Dr. Chen's um, Instagram page follow there. I mean, she puts up so much information about all of this and dives even deeper into different ways to clean your home, clean your body care products. So um, I know these are just um, some of your tops, but I mean, this could keep going further and further and going back to like what we talked about at the beginning, don't make this something that stresses you out though. I mean, it's always something you could keep enhancing. I know myself, I'm always figuring out, oh, what's the next step? Because I mean, it just keeps going forever, but don't stress. Our bodies do have the ability to detox. They have the ability to still remove toxins. That's the awesome part about ourselves. But that leads me into my next question. Um, How do you support your body for detoxification the best? Because I mean, obviously we're still all going to be exposed. There's no way you could go outside and not breathe in some type of toxin these days, especially me. I live downtown San Diego in a city environment. Um, What are some of your recommendations there? Yeah, so providing enough nutrients for these organs to work efficiently uh, would be really, really important. So, you know, going back to food again, why the standard American diet doesn't work in helping detox is that it's devoid of the nutrients that our bodies need. So if you just think of like liver detoxification, for example, I mean, gosh, you, you, you know, you need like hundreds of different types of nutrients, right? Zinc, the minerals. Um, and then you need your amino acids from your proteins. Uh, you need your vitamins like, you know, vitamin C, very important. So eating a nutrient dense diet is really key to helping support detoxification. Um, But there's so much more than that as well. Um, Lifestyle really, really can make a difference. Um, You know, are you drinking enough water? Are you moving your body? Because the lymph is what is kind of like the the sewage pipes, right? It carries the toxins to be dumped out of the body. Uh, It carries toxins from the cell into the detox organs as well. And, you know, most of us with desk jobs, like with non-Zoom calls all day long, the lymph is not flowing because the lymph doesn't have a pump like the circulatory system. So when you're not moving, your lymph is stagnant. And when your lymph is stagnant, the toxins can't get to where they need to be to relieve your body. So moving your body regularly is also very important. Um, exercise is great to move the, the lymph around and also to boost um, glutathione levels. So glutathione is our body's master antioxidant. It kind of goes around and, you know, grabs onto and neutralizes the toxins and, um, you know, encourage them to leave our body. So exercise is great. Sleeping is so underrated. Right? Sleep during sleep, your brain cells actually shrink to allow more room for the lymph in your brain called the glymphatic system to open up and allow toxins to now drain from the brain um, to then be eliminated through the elimination organs. So if you're not sleeping, you're not detoxing. And a lot of people really, you know, it's the free stuff. The free stuff can actually be be huge um, needle movers. And stress reduction, I would say, is probably one of the most under- talked about things in detox, like people jump into supplements that are like, oh, let me take some detox, a liver detox supplements. Your liver is not going to do anything with those supplements unless your body's in a right state to utilize it, right? Because think about it, like if your body is in that stressed out fight or flight state, uh, basically your brain is telling your liver, hey, we're on high alert. We, you know, I need to save our life. So, you know, downregulate detoxification because I need to divert my attention, the blood flow, the nutrients to the muscles that we can run away. Um, so, you know, so the secondary functions like detoxification, fertility gets downregulated when we're in that stressed out fight or flight state, um, which actually is common for most for a lot of people now in the western world so it's about switching the nervous system and the brain into a parasympathetic dominant rest or digest state where now the liver can upregulate detoxification again Um, and so that you know if you're taking the nutrients to support liver detoxification it can actually use it Mm -hmm. um, to detoxify so yeah, those are some 
the, like the big pillars in detoxification. Cool. Thank you so much for sharing all that. That's, I mean, amazing information and goes back to, I mean, we can support our bodies to help live the way we have been living and get back to health and always something ongoing too, because we're exposed all the time. It's just part of it yeah. these days. But. I think that's the most important thing to remember is that don't think of detox as a once a year, once every six mm -hmm. month thing. It's a daily, it should be a daily thing because your detox organs are working 24 seven. So yeah, why would you only detox once a year? <laughs> that doesn't even make sense, right? Support your detox organs every day so that you know, whatever you come into contact with, you can dispose of. Yeah, I think that's been such a misconception forever that people are like, oh, I'm going to do my yearly detox now. And um, like <laughs> it's something we should do slowly daily. And like you were saying earlier, if we do this too quick, too rapidly, I mean, our bodies could get stressed out and sick from this because you're going to be dumping Absolutely. way too much, way too fast. Um, Absolutely. And I've seen it. I've seen it so many times. Um, yeah, go slow. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So yeah, we're coming up on the hour here. Um, I know we went through, I mean, so many amazing pieces of information that I know people are going to take away some amazing tips from this understanding their health on another level, because I mean, that's the goal of what we're doing here. Um, I know my social media, your social media, it's to teach people how to get back to health. But um, with that said, I mean, the more you understand your body, the more there still are questions that come up that you want to work with someone like Dr. Chen. So if you can, I guess, just give um, um, a little bit about where people could find you um, through your different socials, website. I know you also just launched an amazing course. If you want to talk about that a little bit as well. Um, yeah, please feel free to share. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, you can find a lot of information about me on my website. That's www.plateforhealth.com. And then my Instagram handle is at plateful.health. Um, and as Devin mentioned, um, I have a course that actually teaches you how to support your detox organs properly. Um, it's called Detox Right, trying to help you detox the right way rather than um, just pumping lots of supplements and using products that don't work. Um, and the URL for that is www.joindetoxright.com. Cool. Thank you so much. And I'll make sure, I mean, all of this will definitely be in the show notes as well, but people just listening along, um, feel free to check it out. Like I said, she puts up so much amazing information. I always love seeing her posts come out because it's... Oh, and likewise, likewise, I love your information too, Devin. Thank you. Well, cool. We'll wrap it up here now. Um, and hopefully we can maybe go even to another show here in the future. Cause I know these topics, I mean, we could just keep getting deeper and deeper, but I think this is totally. amazing foundation for everyone. So thank you, Dr. Chen for your time today. Thank you everyone for listening. And thank you, Devin, for having me. Of course.